Thanks for tuning in to Good Vibrations with Kristen, where humanness meets spirituality. Are you ready to be inspired? Do you want to have a greater connection to the earth, each other, and ultimately yourself? Join in the conversation with Kristen Ace and her fascinating guests to share the light, laughter, and the illumination of good vibrations. Hey, everybody. This is Kristen of Good Vibrations with Kristen. Uh, If you would like to know more about what I do besides the amazing podcasts, um, I have a healing practice and I'm also a storyteller and you can hire me to come and do a party or a function. I will tailor it to your needs and your desires. You can find me at www.kristenace.com and I'm everywhere else in the world. So find me on social media for sure. Today, I have a wonderful, um, beautiful guest. Her name is Dr. Stacy Radin. She is the CEO and founder of Unleashed and the author of Brave Girls. So, um, Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Oh, my goodness. So I, I got your book. Was, um, a wonderful woman sent your book to me, and I was just... Uh, so excited because first of all, brave girls, right? So I'm like, Ooh, I'm a brave girl. I'm a brave woman. I wasn't necessarily a brave girl when I was younger, but I became a brave young woman and then a woman. And I just wanted to dive in and I did. And what you're talking about in here about, um, empowering the female voice and, you know, what it means to be brave in a positive way is very exciting. It's past due for our world, not just for our country, but our world. And um, you and I were just speaking briefly about how it says brave girls on the cover, but it's really about women. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all had our stories of being disempowered or not having a voice or feeling less than, but what propelled you into exploring this to the point where you've created an entire program for young young girls and women. So I spent 10 years in as a leadership consultant slash psychologist, because that's my training, uh, working with women in corporate uh, America, cross industry and executive levels, and the same theme kept reverberating over and over again is always coming back to the issue of power mostly because women didn't feel that they could either assert their power or they themselves couldn't even call it power they tacked the em word on and so they had to say empower or change the word to the word influence (laughs) and also couldn't real were afraid they walked this tightrope of if I go and cross the line and be assertive and leverage my power, then I'm seen as a bitch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Or if I'm not powerful enough, then I'm seen as weak and passive and not capable of managing a leadership position. And so I decided to go, you know, so I'm a researcher, and so the research nerd in me (laughs) said – if you want to know about power, maybe you should be talking to powerful women and looking at them in a deeper way. So I spent three years talking to 250-plus 
powerful women across industry, region of the country, age, ethnicity, race, talking to them about power, but not only power, but tracing them back to their earliest experiences being either powerless or powerful, mm-hmm. and having conversations about how did they navigate this labyrinth, this maze that they had to do to be able to assert themselves and what challenges they faced, uh, what was their worst moment of their careers, when did they fall flat on their face, and how did they pick themselves up, and how did they push through adversity. And those are the conversations that enabled me to even establish what I felt was my kind of integrated model of power. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you say the word power, and for for a lot of people I know, power, it's a charged word. Mm-hmm. So how do we own our power? You know, there's always these conversations in my my inner circle of giving away your power. Mm-hmm. You're giving away your power again. And then how do you be powerful? And it's it's the fine line of being powerful and not being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And how do we as women not mimic the male role models that we have all around us of be because those models are basically what we have to go on mm-hmm. and yes there and are powerful yeah. there are powerful women out there but they are not the highlights in the social uh, in media in the schools anywhere it's always the example of the man mm-hmm. and that aggressiveness and that's, that's the so that's the issue so If you look at when people say to me, why should we be caring about this in 2015? The feminist movement is over. This is all behind (laughs) us. I say, well, look at our world. Even though laws have changed overtly. Overtly, I love that. Women have opportunities that they didn't have, you know, when Gloria Steinem kind of set foot to go bring women together to fight to change. Mm -hmm. Um, All those kind of overt things have changed, and women can go to university, and it's more typical, and they can have a career, and they can basically, quote, have it all, and Mm. be supergirls. Subtly, it hasn't changed. No, not even remotely has it changed. And I know this because I have, I mean, I'm a woman, but also I have a 14-year-old daughter. And I will be perfectly honest, she's, she's, um, she's very powerful, and she is, um, brings forward a conversation within the classroom that makes people uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. she talks about gay marriage and, uh, you know, f- rights for um, all the different sexualities that are now coming out here, and she's doing a paper now on abortion rights. Now, I said to her, get ready. You're going to get some pushback from your classmates. And and you're going to start you're going to make people more uncomfortable than you already <laughs> do yeah. with your conversation. She's okay with it because she comes from our home where we support her having a voice, but it has caused her problems and even within the administration who watch her more carefully, who at one point in four days of the first week of school called her a red flag problem child. And that's because she makes people uncomfortable. She talks about her feelings. She shares how she feels and expresses that. And I think in a really positive way, Mm -hmm. but 
she, but but she's doing something different than everybody else. She's talking about it. Right. And so. Yeah, and that's, that's the biggest issue is that the subtle things in our world, we're still wedded to yes. archaic stereotypes. Yes. We're still wedded to that we see the male experience as the norm, whether that's in business or in academics or in our life, is that everything's measured against that norm because that's the way historically that's been for decades upon decades. So that has to change. And I think what has to change is that inadvertently we are all kind of buying into all of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unlike your daughter, some, you know, we go with what has been the known and that's familiar. And even women who have daughters who say, you know, I'm going to raise this powerful force and Mm. she's going to have a different experience than than I had. If you look at even infant, parent-infant research, girls, uh, mothers of daughters are still walking around saying to their daughter, be careful, be careful, when they're little toddlers and just venturing out much more than they say to their toddler sons. Mm. And we're not watching... I just had this conversation two minutes ago, but we're not watching the way the semantics right. and we're not looking deeper at the messages that we're sending inadvertently because overtly we're saying you can do it all right to our girls. You can have it all. You can do it all. Go for it. And then our actions are that we come in and swoop in mm-hmm. and take that away from them. So the message is you're, you're inadequate. So that's why I have to step in. Mm-hmm. And B, the be careful, they be careful or watch it or setting different curfews than you would with a son and really treating them differently than you would if, you know, say they were, they were looking, we were looking at the back of their head and we, we didn't know what gender they were. Right. Yeah. Well, so it is inherent in our culture. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't know that we can change the, the, the older generations we can raise their consciousness, perhaps, but so your program brings in a change of consciousness for these young, these young girls, these young mm-hmm. girls, young women to be. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I loved about about reading the different examples and the different experiences that these girls have, they go through your program, is girls who are really powerful and could be labeled as almost like bullies. Learn to challenge, uh, not challenge, learn to channel their power in a really constructive way and become leaders. Mm -hmm. So they take that power and they take that drive and they learn to work within a group. And I thought that was really, for me, the most powerful because my experiences with women in groups is not positive. Mm -hmm. You know, And and I'd have to say... If I go out and I'm speaking all the time now because obviously the book and Unleashed and people will come up to me and say, I would never want your job. I would never want to be around all these mean girl middle school girls. (laughs) And I say all the time, you have to be careful about that. I don't see the mean girl. I see at this developmental stage of their life that they're supposed to be questioning things. Their brains are re you know verbalizing and reconnecting and all these synapses are happening Mm -hmm. and their bodies are changing and socially the landscape is different emotionally the landscape is different everything is different and they're kind of trying to get into some equilibrium again right right it's 
could be seen as a positive or a negative. So a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to teach them. I don't want to be their therapist. I don't want to be their parent. Mm. Uh, I actually think it's a really ripe time, just what you just said, is to take all of that energy, take that oppositional, defiant, defy the status quo, that energy, that passion that needs to go someplace, and then channel that into something, a, a meaning, a purpose, mm-hmm. that they feel valuable, that mm-hmm. they start to create their value proposition, and come together with different girls of different ages, different backgrounds, whatever, for a common platform and understand that I can work together collaboratively with another girl who may not look like me, who may not have the same values as I do, who may have a different opinion, but we're all here for a common purpose. Yes. And I, and that is the most powerful part for me because growing up, what I grew up with, your power as a, as a girl or as a woman laid in either you were a sports kid or you were a sex symbol. Yes. So, you know, I fell in the sex symbol part and um, that's really hard to maintain, number one. And the baggage that goes along with that, with what you look like and how you dress and who likes you and who doesn't like you, um, is it's painful because mm-hmm. eventually you leave that environment, which is debilitating and stifling, and you go out into the world and you still don't know what your worth is because it's all based on what you look like. Mm-hmm. And... And uh, other people's perceptions. Other people's so perceptions, that's right. instead of you owning, you know, internally know who you are, know mm-hmm. what your strengths are, and know what your value is, you're looking to the outside world to validate your worth. Yeah. This is internalized, having a real clear internal sense of value. Well, also that women or girls were not seen as um, a place where you could collaborate and be safe. It was, for me at least, it was a place of utter terror because mm-hmm. the girls also, also, you know, looking back, they didn't have any way to be empowered either. So mm-hmm. how could they be empowered? Well, they, they find something that they don't understand. So at that, in that moment, it was me. And they say, all right, let's kill that thing. Because yeah. that, that way we're going to be powerful, we're going to be a group, and we're going to hurt the thing we don't understand. And that, and that exists today, and I would have to argue, because I, again, I straddle both worlds, the women's leadership and the girls' leadership, and sometimes I don't know who I'm talking to mm. if I didn't hear their voices. That's right. Um, the women, mm-hmm. you know, again, I see in the workplace is that there's two kinds of women, and it is really this black and white is the women who support one another mm-hmm. and bring each other up mm-hmm. or the women who feel powerless. And so the only way that they can manage feeling threatened is to bring another woman down. Right. That's right. And sadly, those are the women that I experienced through most of my life. And it wasn't until I was really in my, I would say, late, mid-20s right, where I met a couple of women who were comfortable in their skin and could let me be me. And then, and I still have those friendships in, in my life today. But I strive to create relationships with women that are um, more cooperative than competitive. And, and so I'm excited that 
you're bringing this conversation to an age where things are so raw mm-hmm. and that they can that the that the girls can then take this and actually become powerful leaders there was a a young girl who was picking who picked on my son in fifth grade and i went to the teacher and i said okay here's the deal if you know she can't put her hands on my son again or there's going to be such major trouble so what i would like you to do is tell her that we see that she's very powerful but is there a way that she can channel that power into a leadership position as opposed to a bullying position mm-hmm. and that i believe that she can do that and the teacher who was so smart pulled the girl aside and had a conference with her and everybody in the school knew me so it wasn't like a you know she knew who i was very i was very present in the kids lives at that stage and she said she had a long conversation with the girl and the girl started crying and she said, oh, no, you know, that means Landon mother, Landon's mother hates me. And she mm-hmm. said, no, she actually believes in you. But she's asking you to, ch- to like, m- move outside of bullying. And so the teacher worked with her mm-hmm. to find a different avenue for her power other than, you know, putting her hands on people where she shouldn't. Well, that, that's, that's a whole dynamic that I see over and over again is that there's a real struggle in schools right now to, especially the cyberbullying is huge and yes. girls are being, and boys are both being slammed on social media and it's so much easier than when we were kids and people just put a note in our locker and said, <laughs> you know, you're fat or you're ugly or you're <laughs> Well, that wasn't good. That wasn't yeah. fun either, but at, no, least, it wasn't at fun, least the world but, wasn't know, reading having, it. Yeah. Having to walk into school and there's lots of sites right now where you can, it's almost like a slam book but anonymous, but everybody can read it and then you walk into school the next day and you're looking around saying I have all these enemies here and who is it and I and they're invisible but they're present right and it just breaks down their level of confidence you know kind of cuts them in half the problem is right now is that the technology has grown much more rapidly than schools can change Mm because it is a change initiative Mm -hmm. and I think schools are trying to manage all these this bullying that's going on and there's a there's an interesting dynamic in the sense of my thing is bullying has to be dealt with on from both perspectives, the victim of the bullying and the, and the person who's the aggressor, because the aggressor feels just as powerless as the victim. And so is trying to regain their power, but yet the victim, the person who's being bullied also should be developing really great advocacy skills Mm -hmm. that they can stand up for Mm -hmm. themselves and say it's not okay because what ends up typically happening is when you stand up to a bully they back down Mm -hmm. it has to come from both perspectives Mm -hmm. also schools get so anxious about it that they want to bury their head in the sands and pretend it doesn't exist or or go to this whole zero tolerance right which brings on other challenges and problems so there has to be there has to be a conversation happening with everybody about mm-hmm. and, and all sets of parents, everything, mm-hmm. so that these kids can learn a better way of um, communing in your world. Because frankly, it's, not, it's been my experience that unless you're doing radical changes in your twenties, you're basically you know carrying on your middle school and high school behavior out oh, into the world. That, that's my whole hypothesis. <laughs> is know? that that's that's my whole hypothesis is that. Your, I, my hypothesis is if I cultivate 
this power and leadership skills at this critical age, that that will carry you through throughout the rest of your life. Absolutely. Because when you get out there, which is how I had to do it, so I had to go from being a victim bully, like horrific bullying, um, and then I had to find a way to stand up for myself in my twenties, and it was not easy, and it was messy. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm proud of myself, but it was messy out there because I went to from completely disempowerment to like rage, and mm-hmm. then how to manage all of that, and then bring it in to being a constructive citizen. That was my big thing. I want to be constructive. I want to be. Uh, positive, but I'm letting you know, Stacy, that that was an active choice because I was I was falling down into the well of hell, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I see that those things happen to me, and I had no control, but now I have control. So what am I going to do with it? But it is not my experience that people go out into the world and have those thoughts. Most people just right. are like going blind down that highway and carrying with them their big bag of garbage that they developed in middle school. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's unconscious, you right. know, and when I'm coaching leaders and they say, Oh, I only act like this at work. I'm thinking <gasps> in my psychological head. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Because <laughs> who you are as a leader is who you are as a person. Right. And I can't imagine you being a bully at work, but not going home and bullying or, uh, being aggressive in other relationships That's like right. you are when you have this power at work. Right, right. So, um, oh, my God, I just want your book to go into every middle school in the world and have everybody do this program with you. Do you go out and facilitate each program, or do you have people who learn how to mm-hmm. institute your program and bring it to other schools? So we stay in-house, um, so I the, the program is really intense. So mm-hmm. anybody that wants to coach for Unleashed has to be a clinical psychologist or social worker, and they have to go through three months of intensive training with me. Mm. And then they are still then supervised. Uh, what happens is that we it is a girl-driven program, and so we as adults are so socialized to always step in and tell um, our the younger generation advice and what we think, and my coaches are trained to zip a lip. Mm. And even if the girls have a horrific idea, that to let them execute it and learn that from themselves and not us saying, again, you're inadequate and your ideas are horrible. So the process is much more important than the outcome in the Mm -hmm. sense of if they design a project, I'm less worried about the outcome or if that project ever comes to fruition, but the process of brainstorming, execution, project planning, working together is so much more significant than if they get it done. Wow. Well, I, after I read your book and I actually had a a block party or a little neighborhood party at my house, probably a week after I read your book and I was buzzing from one little group to another, uh, talking to all the women about this program and more, I, I, all of them said, gosh, my, my little girl could really benefit from that. So um, I, I think we all could benefit just from reading the book, but also that empowerment in a positive way that's so important to be moving forward with 
with the solutions that we are going to want to come up with for our human, for our species, really. Mm-hmm. No, it is. And that's how I, I mean, I, people might think I'm on my soapbox all the time, mm-hmm. but look at the world that we're living in right now with the amount of violence and yes. people just shooting people. The lack of empathy is on the rise in our country. We do need to invest in our next generation of ethical, powerful leaders because they're the ones that are going to be fixing, hopefully, some of these issues. And it starts with raising our next generation to feel compassionate and empathize mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. take accountability for their actions. And that that there's a big dearth of ethical leaders in our country right now, and, and we need to we need to strengthen that cadre. I agree. And and with that powerful statement that you've just given us, we need to end the show. <clears throat> so, um, Stacey, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I, will, uh, I will have on my blog site, I'll have where to find you and how to buy the book and links to all of that. Um, and I, I know you and I have to have a private conversation about how to bring this to a couple of, of the schools in our area, which I'm very excited about. So, yeah, that would be exciting. Yeah, but thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your vision. And thank you for really helping us raise the consciousness in the next generation. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Well, everybody, holy cow. Um, I, I kind of feel like crying <laughs> because I'm so excited that this is available to us, to our children, to our world and um it's such a it's such a powerful book for healing of your own self who may have been disempowered in different aspects of your life so please pick this up read it reach out to me reach out to stacy share your stories share your thoughts bring this into your world into your environment into your school system um i know i believe in you so when you start believing in you then everything in the world in terms of energy moves up more than one notch. I tell you, it moves up triple. So go out there, be brave, speak your voice, and be true to yourself. I love you. We hope that you found this episode of GDK inspiring. And to raise your vibration even higher, visit my website at goodvibrationswithkristin.com. And don't forget to like Good Vibrations with Kristen on Facebook. What inspires you? Write us. Let us know so we can share your ideas on the show. And meanwhile, keep listening, keep connecting, and know that you are divinely guided.